0: Now, food is without doubt one of my favourite subjects, okay, and I think you figured it out by now. Not only because I love eating and trying good and cooking new things, but because food is a fantastic way to bring people together and to learn from each other's tastes and backgrounds. Well, my next guest in the studio knows exactly what works. Let me welcome Tegan Smythe, founder of Table of Two Cities, a community project and platform to provide refugees and asylum seekers a platform to share their stories through the medium of food. Table of two cities regularly organises community events around Hong Kong and finds ways to promote refugee talent to a wider audience. Let me welcome Teagan. Good afternoon to
1: you afternoon Sadia thank you for having me
0: thank you very much for coming along and you know it sounds great again like I tend to bump into my guests at events and things like that (laughs) and that's literally what happened with us because I was trying some great food it was was lovely Egyptian food the other night and um, and then I found out a little bit about you know table of two cities now tell me about it It sounds great
1: thank you Uh, so table of two cities started in late 2016 and it started because I'd been seeing a lot of negative press around refugees in Hong Kong. It would range from things, you know, discussing how refugees are, you know, a problem in society, or it would talk about their vulnerability and there wouldn't be a middle ground. So basically, we envisioned a platform where people could share stories in a way that uh, was honest and true to their lived experience but also through the medium of food because Hong Kong is such a foodie city and Mm -hmm. you know often people are inclined to try a new cuisine and then through that they get a greater understanding and appreciation of different cultures.
0: Yeah and, and I think that is what it's all about because food is something that we're all going to, I mean we all eat, we all like it and stuff. So. So now, how many, you know, how does this work in terms of you've got people from different backgrounds who are making these amazing dishes and serving them out to communities?
1: Well, basically, you know, we started small, we worked with a uh, refugee-led society in Hong Kong called Refugee Union. And so basically, we initially uh, consulted different members from that group and said, what is it that you'd like to share with the wider community? And unanimously they said, well, we want to share our culture and our food. So we worked with them one-on-one to record their stories uh, and their recipes. And we started those sessions in 2017 and it was out of their small kitchen in uh, Refugee Union, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. Um, But then basically we also realized that there should be a community element. So people in wider society can actually interact and meet people who are you know making food and making dishes that are really delicious but you know also have a deeper message Mm. so that's sort of how we started it was quite organic it started very very small Mm. and extremely grassroots but it kind of um you know took a mind of its own from there Yeah, I can imagine
0: tell me a little bit about some of the stories what kind of stories are we talking about
1: it's basically any sort of story so uh, we keep all of the interviews quite open so we say to people you know, what is it that you want to tell Hong Kong? That is the only question universally that we'd ask people. Mm-hmm. And so people could talk about what they did, you know, what they ate for lunch, what their hobbies are, or mm-hmm. if in, if so inclined, they talk about their lived experiences. But the important thing was to actually show the plethora of different lived experiences rather than typecasting the refugee experiences, you know, something that's always negative, something that's always, uh, you know, basically that you know evokes pity because people don't want pity people actually want to show that they're very capable yeah, and they're just like anybody else exactly with the same things to tell yeah. really so how
0: i mean initially when you started what sort of a response did you get did you get some good community support what was the reaction i think
1: you know at first people were probably not uh, cognizant of you know why we were doing it or they kind of thought that maybe The story should sort of focus more on the the tragic perspectives because that's what you tend to see in the media uh, especially on the global refugee crisis um, you know in Europe but also what's happening in the US so I think because of that maybe there was a perception that when we talk about refugees we talk in the sort of way where we're sort of talking about um, you know the negatives if that in their lived experiences and whilst you know in many cases that element is still there it is important to actually pass the mic to people and give them the opportunity to tell their own story because no one tells You know, a story better than the person who's living that experience, Mm. and also, you know, there were lots of people in the community that we found actually that had their own way of telling their stories. So it wasn't necessarily through a printed medium. It was actually they had a talent, and so through that, you know, we expanded the scope of our cultural events. So you know, we engage different people, and we curate very closely with the refugee community. Uh, If there's a particular thing that they want to convey to a wider audience, we basically. Give them the platform to do so. So I think that's important. It's holding space, it's passing them So
0: using music or dance, art. You know, so you've you've actually had events based on these things. Exactly.
1: Haven't? So last year we had a lot of different events that, you know, uh, still involve food in some way. Mm-hmm. So I you think know, food it, has to be <laughs> there. Food, food, food is integral <laughs> yeah, every event, absolutely. right? Um, but you know, we had a comedy show. Uh, we actually had two comedy shows. Oh, really? We had uh, one stand-up artist who's from Iran, and mm-hmm. you know, we had a couple of other performance artists there too. Uh, but we've also had uh, a documentary that we wow. made for um, a refugee group in Hong Kong called Art Women who uh, make arts and crafts as a way to navigate uh, trauma so basically we've given these different opportunities to people to actually dictate what it is that they want to tell uh, a wider audience and we've just sort of facilitated it for them and worked very closely on you know realizing you know what it is that they want to do and sort of one of the things that we're working on now is doing more pop-up dinners, but also finding ways that we can help grassroots uh, refugee uh, community events become more sustainable.
0: So it is very much, it is is a two-way street in terms of it is great for people to tell their stories to get them to understand a little bit about the culture but at the same time you know some of these events are super events to for for the community for the local community to come along to so have you had a good
1: response from the local community to these events I think it's been very positive and I think what's been very heartening is that we have so many different demographics that show up to our events and you know a lot of new faces every time as well and I think the sort of the tying element in all of it is food because there is that curiosity and you know I think in Hong Kong especially uh, because food is so centered in how we greet people how we take care of our loved ones so I think especially where we've showcase food you know the the reception has been Mm. enormous tremendous well tell me more about the actual food what sort of um
0: cuisines are we talking about because obviously the the cuisines are all dependent upon the people who are there you know getting that support so and there is something about you know authentic food which comes from home cooked places Uh, you know but basically from people who are making it themselves so what kind of cuisines are we talking about
1: Honestly, it's a whole array, so you, you, try, you tried some Egyptian food. Yes, which and think, it was yeah. lovely, yeah, thank
0: and you. it was really great because there was kind of Egyptian masaka, there were some yeah. falafels, there were these um, cabbage things which were wrapped um, and they had Mashing. rice inside, yeah. and absolutely really, really tasty food, you know. Um, so what else is, is on the menu in terms of what can people kind of choose you know, from?
1: So there's a lot of capable cooks and I think a lot of people that take pride in their cooking and sharing their cooking because in a way it's their way of uh, expressing a very personal thing to a wider audience. So. There's different cooks from West Africa, so you know there's cooks that we've, um, you know, involved before who are from Togo, uh, Congo, wow. you know, Rwanda. You wouldn't get to taste some yeah. of these things otherwise, we would you? We really don't really have a restaurant, yeah. And you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, Middle Eastern cooks. Uh, we held an event early last year with the Yemeni refugee community here, so uh, it was called uh, Yemen Silence. Crisis Refugee Speak Out. So we actually engaged a few women who were very interested in cooking uh, to basically showcase their food at this event, and everyone loved it. Um, mm. I, I think you would be very hard-pressed to find someone that dislikes um, you know, yeah, the food.
0: Yeah. So how do you see this kind of developing? Because I uh, immediately, you know, when I'm listening to you, I think... Yeah, you know, I'd love to learn some of these because there's no, there's just something about learning how to cook from somebody who just cooks stuff at home. Really, that's where it is because that's where the true flavor comes. So, have you got things in mind as to how you'd like to see it
1: develop over over time? I think definitely there needs to be community engagement, and you know, there's no time like the present for that to happen. And I think having people in the same space where they can trade recipes, where they can actually learn a bit more about different cultures that helps a lot so actually we held an event last friday Mm -hmm. and we had a cook who was showing cuisines from indonesia and cameroon and she actually did a cooking demonstration which was really wonderful as well and i think you know getting people involved like that that's definitely where we would like to go with what we're doing on the food side but in terms of the community engagement and the community events Really, the sky's the limit because I think the imagination is the limit. Mm. There's lots of people who are extremely talented in Hong Kong who really have so many different ways of navigating their identity and also uh, telling their story. And I think that holding a platform and, you know, opening it up for events where different people can actually be exposed to new ideas, that's something that, you know, we really Prioritize. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. I just want to ask you because obviously
0: now that's your this is stuff that you do in your own time. Yeah, this is all voluntary. So what is it? The day job? What are you doing? I mean, you obviously (laughs) managed to fit all of this in. What else do you do? You've Uh, got a number of hats there.
1: Yeah. Well, so I work full time in finance actually, Uh uh, Uh but I'm a lawyer by background, and (laughs) actually. Um, But actually, that sort of got me on this journey to Table of Two Cities, Um, ironically enough, because when I did my legal training in Australia, I actually was in a community legal centre. And the area that I was allocated was uh, refugees and new migrants and new migrants, meaning people who'd been in Australia for less than 10 years. And I think the part that I actually enjoyed the most, I mean, obviously giving legal advice and (laughs) facilitating a pro bono workshop was very important, um, but actually engaging with people and understanding their story and understanding how they felt about, you know, society and kind of what they wanted to do, you know, in in an ideal world, that felt very rewarding. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to Hong Kong, I was hoping to see, you know, Some grassroots initiatives, because there are quite a lot in Australia, Mm, actually, mm. and and in Europe and and North America. Uh, But I didn't really see anything that was very sort of close to the ground that was sort of um, in direct consultation with refugees and you know I was interested to see kind of how that space could develop and I think in the past couple of years we've seen so many really amazing initiatives emerge and they continue to emerge because I think when people give themselves permission to try especially people within the refugee community uh, to you yeah know, I take think there charge. must be a
0: kind of lack of um, you know they might lack a little bit of confidence to get out there and it is a big step isn't it it's a huge step yeah. and I think you know on a more serious note you know, in Hong Kong perhaps, there is a little bit of a barrier here and there where people kind of do judge and look and think and and, and make assumptions, Absolutely. which is hard. I mean, it happens everywhere, but I think certainly it does it does exist here. So do you think that you've made progress? I mean, you've just said it yourself, really, that over the number of years that you've been involved with this, you've seen a difference.
1: Have you seen a difference? I think in the three and a half years that we've been doing this, I think definitely, you know, we never really saw refugee-curated events anywhere in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. and now you're seeing so many amazing events you know show up so you know for example Harmony Hong Kong they're a social enterprise Mm. that's uh, yeah i had them on on the program actually talking about their work too so I mean I, I'm actually an advisor to them, but you know they are so self-sufficient and amazing, and you know they give a platform to not only refugees but I think minorities, and they also showcase the artwork and the fashion and design. Yeah, no, some amazing know, stuff. That so actually, do. this is oh. uh, one of <laughs> she <the> just <laughs> happens to be wearing a piece from Harmony. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, these, the these are these are art All women. Right. Yeah, okay. um, but basically, I think you know, having that kind of engagement, that's just something, you know, unimaginable a couple of years ago. And I think it's sort of snowballed a bit. The moment that you start to actually, you know, put refugees in a position where they're actually dictating terms and actually curating from their perspective what it is they want and you're actually consulting them and you give them that platform. You know, it's, empowering. it's empowering it, it, it's incredibly
0: yeah. empowering just to be able to be given that attention to be able to given that chance to be able to get out there and do these things yeah. because you know i'm sure it it must be very hard and it's it is a struggle one way or the other but i think you know you're doing some amazing work here now what would you say has been the sort of most challenging part of it for you
1: i think the resistance um you know definitely When it comes to people, when it is, you know, I guess the wider local community in sort of feeling empathy for, you know, the refugee population, because there's still that us and them Mm -hmm. mentality, Mm -hmm. but that's something that, you know, I definitely think... Can be it's, worked it's drip drip, worked drip isn't it? It yeah. always comes
0: down to that—that that it's slow, but yeah. you have to be consistent. You have exactly. to keep trying.
1: I mean, social change happens way ahead of legal sure. and policy change. Sure. But I think one thing that I want to normalize is this idea that actually we are all, you know, descended of migrants, descended of refugees, yeah. and especially in Hong Kong. You know, over a million people in the 20th century actually descended from uh, refugees who are actually leaving China for political reasons. You know, because of the civil war and because of the Cultural Revolution. And you know, my grandparents were actually uh, asylum seekers. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that that's anything extraordinary. I think actually, it's it's such a common narrative. It's just we might be conditioned to think that okay, we're not refugees, Uh, this is not our story, this doesn't affect us. But actually, you know, Table of Two Cities, it is definitely holding space and showcasing refugee stories, but it's also a reflection on Hong Kong society and I feel that maybe people need to put a mirror up occasionally Mm -hmm. and And look at
0: themselves. Look at
1: themselves because, you know, in a way I do this because it honors my grandparents, you know, who couldn't return to their home country Mm -hmm. and never did actually. Hmm. So I think it's something that, you know, I think you're doing an amazing to. job. So do you have quite a, do you have a, a team of volunteers
0: and yes. how do you work? <laughs> how do you, I mean, the logistics of this is it's quite, so, I mean, just talk me through as to how it happens. Like, you know, so there is a refugee who is an amazing cook who wants to do something. How does it all work with Table of Two Cities? And also the title you chose, you're the founder um what made you call it table of
1: two cities first i think we all. all appreciate a good pun yeah. <laughs> so, so it was it was riffing off um you know Charles Dickens, yes, yes but um i think it was because i sort of approached this from the perspective of someone who is a writer so i am involved in uh, the hong kong poetry community another thing to her uh, <laughs> another
0: another boaty or bonnet right okay
1: <laughs> and i just thought that you know it, it was sort of i guess evocative as well of this idea of people coming together because you know food is such a leveler we all need food no matter what our status is absolutely yeah
0: Mm. so so how does it work then what what happens what what is your role in it
1: so basically uh we'll sort of organize our own event series throughout the year and we have our own programming but then people will sort of say to us okay you know we're quite interested in trying different cuisines so we'll sort of say okay we'll um we'll see what we can do for you and we'll basically say to different people, you know, you can support a refugee, um, you know, who's involved in our activities uh, by, you know, Covering costs and things like that. You know, the cost of the food and, and transport. And in return you actually get to try something delicious that you would not have tried and otherwise. And it was. It yeah, was. it was very good. <laughs> I can vouch you. for that one. Yeah.
0: So so now, um, just after the news at two, I've got Casa coming in. And tell me a little bit about his involvement. So he's going to be telling me about, you know, some of the activities he organizes. So he was involved too with Table of Two Cities? Yes,
1: yeah. So we've actually done a couple of events together. So last year he was involved as a performer because He's an amazing drummer mm-hmm. uh, at a couple of our events, but he also organises One Love, which is a community event on the beach. It's on the 27th of Jan, mm-hmm. uh, so keep that date Yeah, open. I'm going to be talking to him about that 27th of Jan, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And basically, you know, we'll, we'll sort of consult with him what it is that he wants to share with a wider audience, and, mm. you know, we've done a couple of events together. So the last One Love, we helped, uh, you know, cover the food costs because, It can be expensive, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's probably quite well known now that uh, every month, um, you know, the refugee community only gets a very small stipend, so mm-hmm. we want to help where we can um, and support people who are doing Good. really amazing things. And, super. You know, there's nothing really better than food, music, <laughs> and it's on the beach as well, so what's not to like?
0: Yeah, well, we'll talk yeah. more to him about that once he comes in, and I yeah. think he's going to be playing some music. Now, let me just end by just asking you, like, you know, in this last three and a half years where you've been involved. Um, what was or what has been one of the most kind of memorable moments of your work with the Table of Two Cities that you think back and that really does bring back um quite an emotional sort of feel? What would you say?
1: Uh, I think it was this event that we did with art women so art women is uh, that refugee group that mm-hmm. um, you know makes arts and crafts as I mentioned they made this awesome jacket as well mm-hmm. You have to get up and show us yeah something. okay I have to get them on the program and I'm on next I think <laughs> yeah I think you know we did an event for International Women's Day last year and it was showcasing Uh, congolese culture and we actually spent several months really curating it with the group to understand what exactly it was that they wanted what kind of story they wanted to convey to a wider audience so every little piece of the event so it took a long time to um to realize but you know when it actually happened it was it was a fully packed room it was really amazing we did a screening of this documentary called city of joy which talks about uh, women in democratic republic of congo who have uh, suffered trauma who are finding ways to uh, power through their trauma Mm -hmm. through leadership through arts and crafts and and basically you know rebuilding their lives after you know losing something significant and it was something that the founder of art women really wanted to convey to a wider audience so you know we tried our best to make it you know sensitive to lived experience we had a fireside chat afterwards we had congolese food and they also got to showcase and what kind of number of people came along to it about 80 people wow and the, the space was full. It was in a campfire in Wong Chikang. Okay. Yeah, so I think that definitely, just seeing the satisfaction and happiness from people, from, you know, being able to really showcase their story and and it's in fantastic. such a well-attended event, that really helped.
0: Tegan, well done to you for
1: all the work that you've
0: done and thank, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on to the, the show. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, this is not the end. We're going to speak to Kaza um, after the news at two, but thank you ever so much.